0: Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library.
1: Welcome, listeners, to another adventure of the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you your adventures, books, and conversations ABCs from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy. And I'm Christopher. And with us as always is producer Doug. Good morning, Doug.
0: Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today?
1: Good. We can breathe.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful beautiful blue
2: sky, and we don't take that for granted these days, right?
1: No, we certainly don't. But, you know, big shout out to all of the firefighters and folks that are working to put the Creek Fire out. they are right. working tirelessly they've been on this for over a month and um you know just mad props and respect to them and thank you for all of your hard work
2: yeah absolutely you know we record this you know again in advance of of release so it's kind of late october we're talking right mm-hmm. now and all the firefighting helicopters have arrived at the mammoth lakes airport which yep is is very interesting and reassuring at the same time, so yeah, um thank you guys and women for what you do.
1: Yeah, so we both have some adventures to share this week. Um, and I guess i'll I will share my adventure first. So my daughter Tessa, and I ventured up to Corley Ranch in Gardnerville, and Gardnerville is the town um, just past Topaz Lake just across the Nevada border from California. And this ranch is a working ranch. They have cattle and hay. They grow hay and farming. And um, every year, well, for the last 16 years, they have held a pumpkin patch. And we've kind of watched the pumpkin patch evolve and grow over the years. And um, you know, it used to be a big thing for all of us, all four mm-hmm. of us, to go up there. Now it's relegated to to me and Tessa. So <laughs> um
2: children at heart.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we went to the went to the pumpkin patch and they have um you can go into the field and actually pick your own pumpkin. And right. it seems like it was a flat five dollar fee. Like they didn't weigh them, they used to weigh them. And then depending on the size of the pumpkin, you'd you'd pay for it. But we we had two pumpkins that were pretty much the same size. They were kind of big, but they didn't weigh them. They just said, oh, five bucks. Wow. And so that was that was a good deal. It's five bucks to get into the whole mm-hmm. thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. But then they have they have a corn maze, they have a petting zoo, they have a hay slide, um, a wagon train ride. That's the only one. Yeah, they do that only runs on the uh weekends, but um you know, and it was <laughs> we it was a, it, when you have little kids it was real you know, that was yeah. like super fun and you'd spend right. you know, half a day there. Right. You know, with a 15-year-old, you know, you kind of <laughs> check it out, you pet some goats, you go through the corn maze, you pick your pumpkin and you're out of there. Um, but it was <laughs> It was super fun, and they they do such a nice job, and they're so nice up there um right. and the one thing that we they have on the weekends we went on an early friday uh Tessa didn't have school, so we we drove up there and um it was so it wasn't very crowded when we went, but on the weekends, they have pig races. Oh, fun. And I was bummed that we couldn't see the pig races because I think that would have been hilarious. So, um, oh, and they also have a giant slingshot on the weekends. That slings what? People. Oh, wow. I think. Either people or maybe pumpkins. I don't know. It wasn't operating, so we didn't get to see. But. I was glad it wasn't opening because if it were people, Tessa would have wanted to do that. And I don't know that our insurance covers um, <laughs> giant slings. Um,
2: That's so hilarious.
1: It, um,
2: so what do you do with, with your pumpkin seeds? Do you roast them?
1: I do. I love yeah. I love roasting pumpkin seeds. Yeah, um we do too. I think I'm the only one in the family that actually eats them. Really? Yeah. My husband does not like pumpkin seeds. And, you know, Tess is the only child left at home now. So I think she has a few and then she's kind of good. She's all about the candy, you Mm -hmm. know, it's Mm -hmm. Halloween. It's, you know, she's, she's trying to eat more, you know, healthfully now, but Halloween, you know, all bets are off. (laughs) So, and it's going to be strange this year. You know, I'm not sure that we just got some guidelines on Trick or treating, and not really sure what's going to be happening with that this year. So, and you know, we kind of feel like she's a teenager, the trick or treating is done. It's time for her to give out the candy, not so we don't have to run. You know, we're old now, so getting up and running to the door every time the bell rings, (laughs) you know,
2: you're not going to do one of those giant tubes that you see some of the people doing down south where they they just shoot the candy down a tube down to the foot oh of the driveway. Oh my gosh.
1: Well, that's I hadn't I had not heard about that. That's interesting. <laughs> and then in, in this time of COVID, it's probably a more sanitary way to hand out candy. Yeah. Um but no, we you know, I do like to, it's fun to see all the little kids, you know, and they can yeah. barely say trick or treat and, right. and they're just so darn cute. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. So if you're in the um, Eastern Sierra area and you're looking for a fun activity on a, a weekend afternoon or Weekday evening. The pumpkin patch is open from 10 to 5 every day. As I think I said, um, it's a $5 mission. Um, so head on up to Corley Ranch, uh, tell him the Oxygen Star podcast sent you, and you'll get nothing. But um,
2: <laughs> no, so you go. Our listeners should realize, especially for residents in the northern half of Mono County, um, going across the state line to Gardnerville and Minden, where the shopping centers are, that's where a lot of us do our absolutely. shopping. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, you know, we have plenty of listeners up in Douglas County and, and along that corridor. So yeah, um, absolutely.
1: Check it out. And what about you, Christopher? Where did you adventure?
2: Well, we stayed closer to home and it didn't involve pumpkins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, one of the great things about living in this area um, with so many trails and so many places to access nature is there are plenty of groups in the Eastern Sierra who want to help um, keep it sustainable and um you know, clean and 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 welcome for anyone to come and enjoy. And so, there's very often cleanups that are organized on on weekends by different organizations. And last weekend, uh, Will's and I participated in a river cleanup on the Upper Owens River that was sponsored by the Eastern Sierra Interpretive Association and LA Department of Water and Power. Nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, we hadn't really walked that stretch of the river since we moved back. It's um, out on the Benton Crossing Road past mm-hmm. the dump. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's out in that big, beautiful, you know, open meadow area um, north of Crowley Lake. It's where the river kind of comes south towards Crowley Lake. And it just is just so nice to be out there it was a beautiful morning there was smoke in the air but there were also high clouds and there was blue sky mixing in and it just felt um, much more clear than it had been in a while which was nice and yeah you just kind of you grab a bucket and a grabber and some gloves and you, we, you just walk the river and you know nice. pick up cigarette butts and and fishing line <laughs> and other things that people leave behind um, and you know was we, it we, we, go ahead
1: was it surprising what kind of trash you I mean, were you ever like at any point where you shocked it? How could somebody leave this?
2: <laughs> well, um, I didn't get it the best trash. Someone found a tire, <laughs> which was interesting. Oh. Um, I got a, I got a sandal. Um, oh. I was reminded how many cigarette butts were out there and cigarette wrappers, which I was like, oh yeah, people still smoke. And of course we're going to mm. be talking with someone from tobacco free Eastern Sierra later on. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was just an, a great excuse to be out there without a fishing pole, right? And, right? and walk along. And if you go up on some of the chalk bluffs, you can look back and you really get an appreciation for how the Owens River snakes back on itself as mm-hmm. it's going through that area. And it really was just, oh, it was beautiful to be out in this wide open space. We weren't up a canyon. There weren't mountains you know right up against us it just felt very open and we really enjoyed it and so yeah you know listeners we encourage you if you don't already keep your eye out for some of these cleanup areas um, as we're recording it this weekend there's going to be cleanups and canyons down the Inyo national forest and up at bristlecone pine so um, it's an excuse to go up and um, kind of just slow down and appreciate it um, and help out uh, along the way
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that struck me about when I moved up here is the number of these types of events that occur. Because, you know, we love where we live. We want to keep it clean. And, um, you know, we encourage the visitors when they come to do their part as well. Um, But, yeah, we've participated in lots of those cleanup days up in Mammoth. Um, they always have one in the fall and right. it is, it's, it's a good excuse to be outside, um, yeah. with a, pur- with a purpose, yeah. feeling productive. Yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> so listeners, um, I'm sure you're feeling productive as we move into the fall. Um, go grab, go, blah, blah. go grab a glass of water, cup of tea, whatever uh, matches the temperature right now. And, uh, we'll be right back.
0: Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless culture-packed, nutritious podcasts considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners.
2: We're at the books portion of our podcast.
1: Yay! Yay! Little cheer. Little cheer.
2: The new thing. So... (laughs) Since tis the season Stacy and I decided to chat about halloween themed books or you know ghost stories or witches or or what have you we thought it would be fun right stace
1: we did something different this is not my typical genre
2: you don't read horror i do not haunted. okay <laughs> well I i'm glad not. we pushed you out of your comfort you level a little bit definitely did well why don't you describe what what you read and how far Look, out of your comfort level you
1: at? So, you know, when I was approaching this assignment, this topic, I, I went to the guru of all gurus, Oprah, <laughs> and thank goodness she has a list of you know her top 20 Halloween books. So mm-hmm. I perused that list and um I found this newly published book. It was published in July of 2020. It was called The Year of the Witching, and the author is Alexis Henderson. Okay. And this is uh, classified as a young adult, a YA novel. Okay. And so I got a twofer here. I don't typically read young adult novels, although I should read more of them because some of them are pretty good. And I don't typically read books about, you know, witches or, you know, Things Mm -hmm. like this. So, um, it wasn't really a horror book per se, but it definitely dealt with the mystical and, you know, the witches and kind of had a Mm -hmm. fairy tale esque background to it. So, uh, this is from this is the, the line, the tagline from Bookshop. Okay. Um, uh, a young woman living in a rigid puritanical society discovers dark powers within herself in this stunning feminist fantasy debut. So uh, this is definitely the main character's name is Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And she is uh, 16 years old and her mother died when giving birth to her. And Mm -hmm. she lives with her grandparents, And her, her aunt and, and her, her little cousins kind of on the outskirts of this town and their whole community is led by this guy who's called the prophet. Okay. And the prophet has multiple wives. He's kind of a dictator, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like what, even though this is supposed to be grounded in, in some Bible, they don't say which, Mm um, um, the, you know, his philosophy, um, it's, it's very bizarre. So, um, you know, at one point he takes on, uh, a wife who is Emmanuel, Emmanuel's age, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: 16. And later on in the novel, this, I don't, this doesn't affect the, the plot really at all. You know, she discovers that her friend is pregnant by this prophet, you know, Mm-hmm. And was pregnant well before he married her. uh Oh, and I, so you know, there. As I was reading it, I'm thinking, "Wow, this is this is a young. This is what young adults are reading now." I mean, I'm thinking of my 15 year old. You know, is she going to read a, a book like this? I thought some of the the themes were a little much for um, young adults, but I don't know. Maybe that crosses into people in their early 20s. I'm not.
2: New adults. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, new a adults lot, a lot of that literature is dealing more with more openly with social issues, yeah um, uh, and kind of acknowledging that many older teens and new adults are quite well aware
1: <laughs> yeah. of some
2: of these things, and so they try to handle it in a kind of a constructive way if they can
1: yeah and and I don't think there was there wasn't anything graphic, certainly right in this book, you know, so you know I if if Tessa were to read this, she could handle it for sure. It was just yeah. a little like, wow, yep. eye-opening for me. <laughs> um, I get it. But, you know, so eventually, Emmanuel, she ventures into the Dark Wood, you know, which is the evil forest. And she comes across these witches. And they give her a journal that her mother had written. And her mother was part of this, you know, was was cursed and this curse was passed on to Emmanuel and um then she kind of befriends she develops this relationship with the prophet's son mm-hmm. and you know they they work together to um overcome these plagues that Emmanuel believes she has set in motion And so they want to save the town from the plague. So, I mean, it was, um, I enjoyed it. It was, it definitely was well paced. Um, You know, I got to the end. The end was for me, was very, fairly satisfying. (laughs) Listeners Uh know that I sometimes have a problem with endings, but this one, (laughs) this, um, you know, it, it ended on a satisfying note. And, Also, left the author room if she were going to do a sequel. There's definitely space for that. Yeah. Um, But it was, you know, it was interesting. It really, um, this was real, it was engaging and it was, it definitely had uh you know all the archetypes that we expect sure you know from this kind of literature you know you have the the witches you have the evil grandmother you have um the you know the the prophet's son is kind of like the handsome prince mm-hmm. you know and you have the the strong protagonist which is you know good role model for young women these days, Mm -hmm. you know, to be strong and take care of your own stuff and not expect other people to, you know, solve your problems for you. So, you know, I enjoyed it. I would, I would recommend it. If you're looking for a good fantasy, uh, mystical Mm -hmm. book, um, check out the year of the witching by Alexis Henderson. So that was was what I read. How about you, Christopher?
2: Um, yeah, I didn't read YA this time. I'm a big fan of, <laughs> you know, there's a, for about the last 10 years, there's been really a lot of crossover young adult books that a lot of adults mm-hmm. read. And so yep. I, I try to read um, a couple a year at least, um, just because I find the writing compelling. So um, I think that's a really great recommendation. We'll make sure we have it in the library. So for me, I don't read horror either. I'm not a big Stephen King fan. Right. I think we've discussed this before. Yep just because I have a hard time, you know, getting myself into a place where I can feel what I feel like I should feel when I read horror, which is defense <laughs> and spine tingling and all that kind of stuff. I love a good horror story. I love a good ghost story. Um, but I guess, um, I'm just hard to please that way. So, <laughs> I went back in the canon a little bit and read a classic ghost story um, this book that I read was called The Uninvited by Dorothy McArdle, and the story was published first in 1942. So this is an older wow. story, but it was hugely successful. And in fact, when it came out, it was made into a Hollywood movie in 1944, starring Ray Milland and Ruth Hussey. Um It was one of the first Hollywood movies to treat hauntings as real events rather than slapstick Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or, you know, a con or anything like that. And in fact, two major Hollywood directors, Martin Scorsese and Guillermo del Toro, um, currently list this movie as one of the scariest they've ever seen. Wow. Um, And fun fact for our jazz fans there this is the movie that also introduced the song Stella by Starlight. Complete non sequitur right there. I will circle <laughs> right back to the book now. I have not seen the movie. I want to see it now after having read the book, though. So, again, the book is kind of old. McCardle herself was born in Ireland. She wrote this book when she was, you know, in her early 50s, um, just before or just as world war ii is taking out and it deals with the story of the fitzgerald siblings who are two adults roderick and pamela and their cook lizzie they take over a house called cliff end which is this derelict but beautifully situated place on the coast of devon in the south of england so Mm -hmm. already we're kind of like setting the stage of like a house in the wilderness, you know, next to the ocean. Right. Um, and of course, you know, she sets it up. The villagers all think it's haunted or cursed. They actually buy the house from um, this girl named Stella, talking about new adults. She is the surviving 19-year-old daughter of a mother who died tragically in a fall from the cliffs. Hmm just next to the house and her Hmm. father who mysteriously runs away. We don't hear about him at all. So in effect, she's, you know, kind of a teenage orphan. Mm -hmm. Um, she lives with her grandfather, the commander, which is like an archetypal British stern character. And in fact, um, early on in the book, there's the, the sentence that one of the characters utters, a lonely house, a beautiful lady and a violent death. Would anyone in his senses lose the chance of making a story out of that? So it's kind of a self-referential comment of what the actual story is going to be. So McArdle does a good job of setting up the characters and context and the atmosphere is very Gothic. the, the ghostly happenings don't really start for a good 50 pages because of all (laughs) that setup, which took me a while to get in. Um, but once it got there, it was good. It takes place during summertime. The brothers, um, Roderick and Pamela are fixing up the house to make it livable again and meeting the locals. And of course, as you would expect, there's this mysterious dark room that the previous owners just locked up and never went into that sparks the first conundrum. They Uh. get, they get to know the young girl Stella a little bit better. There's kind of a light romance budding between Roddy and Stella um, because she was born and partially raised in the house. Um, and now she's kind of painted as this kind of spacey ethereal creature who doesn't really have control over her home, her own life anymore, but they invite her over to tea in her old house. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of like the, the trope of the messed up child in a haunted house story, Um, Sure, (laughs) (laughs) you know, speaking of archetypal characters. Um, so they start to get to know her. And as the the siblings, Rod and Pamela uh, set up having guests down from London to stay for a housewarming, the first guest sees an apparition in the mirror in the haunted room. And that's when the real hijinks start. And the story picks up and um, is
1: is the is the apparition does it prove to be like an evil? like do evil things start happening or scary well, <laughs> things?
2: I'm glad you asked that question, Steve <laughs> um which is funny because, yeah, then the things start really rolling out. there's sounds, there's like cold spells and chills in rooms, there's the smell of a very distinct perfume, and what's funny is um. Rod and Pamela, the, the siblings who own the house, kind of callously dismiss um when someone comes and says, you know, oh, I saw a ghost or I saw mm-hmm. something. They're they're kind of like, oh, you're just seeing things kind of thing. But then they start to um get convinced as well. And um yeah, so they their hearty, no-nonsense cook Lizzie sees a ghost of a young lady who it turns out to be the young lady who died. She was the one who fell off a cliff. She was clutching to a tree and she fell off the tree and died and crashed on the rocks below near the ocean. Stella, the girl confirms this when she stays too late to go home one night and sees the apparition herself. She sees her mother. And of course that makes her very happy because she misses her mother very, very much. And she feels this ghost is coming back to comfort her. So, uh, Roddy and Pam, my new nicknames uh, <laughs> are then caught in a situation where Stella, their cook and their friends feel the place is haunted, um, but they themselves are still in some degree skeptical. Um, Stella's grandfather, the commander, refused to allow Stella to return to the house anymore and, in fact, wants to send her to school abroad to get her completely away from what he thinks are just psychological happenings. Mm hmm. Pam, um, ever game, tries to test her own skepticism by sleeping in the haunted nursery where Stella had seen the ghost. Wow. Sure enough, Pam gets haunted. She gets haunted real bad. But the question, <laughs> the question is now whether there's a, now a second spirit in the house, a more malevolent one. I won't go into that mm. detail. I'll let the readers figure that one out. Roddy himself becomes obsessed with Stella and wants to learn more. And so he goes up on a trip to London for work and, and arranges to meet her old governess who tells them a story of, of Stella's father's infidelity with a maid. Um, and she paints the maid as being very vindictive and malevolent. So now the question is, is that second ghost in the house? Is that the malevolent maid who had um. also died? Um, And then while he's up there, Rod suddenly has this bad feeling that something must be happening back down at the house. So he and Pam jump in the car and motor it back down there just in time to see Stella, having run out of the house, grab onto the same tree where her mother fell off the cliff and almost fall off the cliff herself. So, you know, it turns out spacey little Stella broke into their house while they were gone to, and she went to sleep in her old room to see if her mother would come back. Which, of course, is not a brilliant idea when there's a malicious ghost prowling about. So, um, you know, and then (laughs) um, in another, you know, curious judgment call here, Roddy and Pam, instead of taking Stella back to her house, instead think Stella should sleep it off for a couple hours in the haunted house. So they take her back to their house in the middle of the night. um, Wow. (laughs) To sleep with Pam in Pam's room, because, you know, why not give the ghost a second chance? Right. You bet your bottom dollar what happens next. A short while later, Pam sticks her head out of the room, calling to Rod um, if he feels the cold. And, of course, he doesn't where he's sleeping, so that means that there's a ghost seeping into Pamela's room, and they Hmm. all barely have time to get out of the house before the mysterious ghost at the head of the stairs begins to form again. This time, they do get Stella back to her own house and and royally piss off the commander. (laughs) Um, Now the siblings and happy homeowners are convinced the house is haunted, haunted for sure and figure out what to do with this. Cause it was their dream house. Rod is half a mind to burn it down. His take is that the place is so saturated with passions and emotions and unexpungible misery and despair that no sensitive person can be in it and not be overcome by hallucinations or depression or mm. both, you know? So he's, sure. he's a little dramatic, you know, <laughs> 30s writing there. Uh, The story hums along in a good old-fashioned haunted house kind of way from there, complete with a seance and a Ouija board. And I really give McArdle credit for the clever ways she spins it out to the end. Um, Again, the dialogue and the characterizations of people are are very 1930s British writing. So there's Mm -hmm. some stereotypes there and things that wouldn't be written today. Um, Right. But the story itself is contemporary enough. And in fact, there are genuinely suspenseful parts to it that if you're reading it alone in bed at night, you'll probably get some shivers. Interesting. Um, Good. Cool. It was a popular book, Clearly Uninvited, inspired the growing haunted house genre, started by uh-huh. Turn of the Screw from Henry James, uh-huh. which is the Love first one, right? Yeah, with the two yeah. mysterious siblings, children. Um, yeah. And in fact, is, you know, that arc has never ended. And there are some of Mm -hmm. us myself included who are watching Netflix's haunting of Bly house. It's all that same genre. Um, and it certainly fit well with the popular Gothic novels of the time in the thirties and forties, say like Daphne du Maurier, um, and others who were kind of just writing those kind of like scary, mysterious Mm -hmm. books. So I could see why the book and the movie were so popular. I will tell listeners, um, I could only find an ebook version of this. Um, it's hard to find a print copy. So we don't have it in the library, but again, it's called the uninvited by Mary McArdle. It's a fairly quick read and I do recommend it as a good Halloween book.
1: That sounds, it sounds very intriguing for sure. Do you think this book could be like updated for a modern audience?
2: Uh, you know, it's curious you bring that up because I do think it, it was, I mean, think of how many times turn of the screw has been updated, yes. or the woman in white, you know, right. um, some of those classics have just been brought up to speed often by Hollywood, but you know, even just in the last decade, uh, John Boyne, who's a very popular literary author wrote a book called this house is haunted, which is mm. basically this and turn of the screw put together. together. Okay. Um, and it got some good reviews. I almost read that one instead of this one. Um, uh, but I'm glad I wrote this. I read this instead, I, I, I do recommend it. Well,
1: you know, I, I think that's great. And it's, it sounds very intriguing, like I said, and, um, it's good for us to get out of our usual (laughs) choices, isn't it? Don't you think
2: it is? I don't do it enough is what I'm coming to realize.
1: Me, me either. Well, (laughs) listeners, I hope you will step out of your comfort zone or if this is your, um, you know, favorite genre to read, let us give us some recommendations of of books in this um, category that that would help us expand our literary horizons a little bit. We love to hear from you. Meanwhile, take a deep breath and we'll be right back.
0: You're dialed in to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABC's adventure books, and conversations from 11,000 feet originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California. You can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. Just make sure you find us.
1: Welcome back, listeners. We are at the C conversation part of our podcast, and we are so excited today to have with us Lauren Kemeter. Lauren actually reached out to us via our email um, account, Oxygen Star Podcast, and um, she is the recently hired Community Health Program Coordinator for Mono County Public Health Tobacco Education Program, which is a big job. And we're so happy to have you here with us today, Lauren. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about what brought you to Mono County and how you came to work for the Tobacco Education Program.
3: Thanks. So this was around February, March. I was living at home and um, sort of just needed to get out and get a more professional job. And so I was applying to more rural counties. I'm actually from the Bay Area. I'm from San Rafael, California, which is in between Napa and San Francisco. And Mm -hmm. so I have a degree in health education and um, the Bay Area is really competitive. So I was feeling called to apply to more rural counties. And um, so I just, I interviewed in March and then uh, it was my first time. In Mono County, I got a hotel room in Mammoth, interviewed in person, felt really good, and then they offered me the job a couple weeks later, and I just said, okay, let's do it. So um, yeah, so I've been here since April, and it's been a wild ride, as you can imagine, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm really loving it, I'm loving my program, and I just feel so grateful
2: You went, you went for the adventure, just like do it sight unseen almost.
3: Seriously. And at that time I was like, you know, you know, like hiring freezes and COVID was really starting to pop off. So I was like, let's just do this. Like, let's go. So, um, it, yeah. And I haven't regretted it. I, I really like, I really like my job and I'm really, I'm getting used to the area and, um, the mountains and Yeah.
1: Had you ever been to Mono County before?
3: No, I had never <laughs> been to Mono County. I interviewed at the health department, which was in the Minaret Mall at the time. And I was just <laughs> like, where am I? And um, yeah, and so I had literally never been to Mono County, never been to Mammoth Um yeah, it's kind of wild if you think about it. Like I'm such a flatlander, like city slicker, <laughs> and so I just ended up out here and yeah.
1: Well that's awesome. Good for you. That's a that and and to move during a pandemic. Yeah that was was that a challenge?
3: It was. Um, I mean finding housing around here is already kind yeah. of rough. Um, but I just yeah, it was, it all just happened so quickly. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was definitely rough and, um, it was still kind of snowing at that time and just, yeah, huge life adjustment for sure. Like new job, new area, like everything.
2: You've got a good story to tell now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. Good for you. So, So our office, the Mono County Office of Education, we have the uh, Tobacco Use Prevention Education Program that our coordinator, Debbie Schnod, uh, runs, and you work with Debbie um, on some of these programs. So tell our listeners a little bit about what exactly public health does to promote tobacco use prevention and, and some of the programs.
3: Totally. Yeah. Thank you. So I love Debbie. Um, we're actually going to be on KMMT radio later this month. So nice. um, yeah. So basically the public health portion of, of tobacco education, you know, our goals are to make commercial tobacco nicotine use product l- use less desirable, accessible, and less normalized, um, help current users quit or attempt to quit. And then prevent new users from initiating use and protect non-smokers from secondhand smoke. And so one of the biggest things that we do, we do a lot, but um, I think the biggest thing that we do is policy work. Um, We also do media campaigns um, and of course education um, in the schools and Mm -hmm. different, different outreach, you know, in, in, different times we would be at health fairs and back to school nights and, you know, really in the community. Um, but right now we're a little limited. So, um, we're media is, is great right now for us. Um, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And does this, does your work also include, um, working on vaping secession as well as tobacco?
3: Yes. So vaping is a, is a huge issue. Um, one of the biggest successes of our program, and this was before I got here, um, but we actually passed flavored tobacco ban Mm -hmm. ordinances in both the town of Mammoth Lakes and the unincorporated Mono County. So uh, flavored tobacco products are mostly, mostly vapes, right, which are um, hugely have become hugely problematic and of course marketed to children and all that. So, um, yeah, we do vaping education with youth and, um, the ban of flavored tobacco products has been a really huge success for us. Um, and a lot of other local jurisdictions uh, throughout California.
2: And I think what you're hitting on is interesting. Cause I remember, um, you know, when vaping first started, it was kind of touted by I don't know who as the healthy alternative to traditional cigarettes. But that right. turns out not to be right, correct?
3: That's correct. So um, vaping and e-cigarettes are not actually uh, a proven or recommended cessation aid. Um, really it's really just the tobacco industry marketing new products to youth and people who don't smoke so yeah vaping actually doesn't help you quit smoking it's not healthier it's almost actually worse um just with all the unknowns and all the combustible chemicals it's it's really really dangerous so yeah definitely not safer than smoking definitely not a cessation aid
2: you know, what's interesting to me as well is, um, Stace and I are both of a generation, <laughs> um, <laughs> that remember, you know, you know, when we were in college and whatever, going out to bars and I used to smoke and, you know, it was just everywhere around. And then there was this kind of shift and pushback towards big tobacco. And a lot of ordinances were passed where, you know, restaurants and everything had to be smoke free and, I, re- I don't know about you, Stace, but I remember being kind of cynical about it when it first started. And, and in fact, in New York City, when they banned it inside office buildings, you know, you'd see the clusters of smokers just outside mm-hmm. on the sidewalk. Um, I thought, well, this isn't going to last. But in fact, it it lasted. And now it's odd for me, like, you know, when we go into a restaurant in Nevada or something and they do still allow smoking in casinos or you you smell that yeah. inside. And it's like, oh, it's almost surprising. Like, yeah, it used to be this way all the time.
3: Yeah, totally. Airplanes, restaurants, yeah, yeah, workplaces, and I mean, yeah, I can't imagine being on a flight full of people smoking.
1: Yeah, I remember as a kid traveling on airplanes because we we flew a lot when I was younger, and there was a smoking and a non-smoking section, and I was always like, I don't really get that.
2: (laughs) <laughs> the favorite, my favorite experience was that was many years ago, flying on the Russian airline Aeroflot on a trip, and their smoking session was the back half of the plane, and of course, the cigarettes they were smoking were horrible. So, it was just <laughs> like, uh, get me out of here! And how long is this flight?
1: <laughs> I know it's so so strange, but you know, I was under the impression that for a while. We really had a dip in smoking. You know, that that all of these new rules and regulations about, you know, having non smoking restaurants and air you know, airline flights and you know, all of those restrictions that were put actually did make a difference. And I'm I'm wondering if now, you know, what what is the latest? Are are we seeing an uptick in tobacco use? You know, is, are our younger kids accessing this? What's kind of the latest, um, statistics?
3: Yeah. Um, well, so smoking among adults in the U S has gone down, especially in California, um, steadily over the years, but unfortunately, um, teen and young adult vaping rates are, are up and, um, you know, that's very sort of predictable and, uh, Because the tobacco industry noticed that, you know, people were smoking less cigarettes as as the knowledge that this was harmful was going down and smoke-free policies were being enacted. So then in the 90s, they came up with, you know, smokeless chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. And then now the newest thing is vapes and vaping is sort of easy to hide. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
3: It doesn't have as much of a presence as um, cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we're seeing um, right now. But we're, you know, we're trying to trying to curb the the youth smoking or vaping rates with with, um, you know, policies. And um, we're sort of catching up because vapes for a long time have been sort of unregulated and and things like that. So um, but yes, overall smoking rates are are down.
1: Well, that's that's good to know i mean yeah the the vaping situation is is troubling because because of the way that kids can get a hold of this stuff and then hide it, yeah, it can be really unobtrusive so what are is is there a current policy initiative that you're working on right now?
3: So our next policy initiative that we would like to push in the new year is actually a uh, smoke-free multi-unit housing. Mm. So what that means is believe it or not there's actually nothing on the books in unincorporated Mono County about not smoking inside of a unit um like so a condo, apartment. So um what that looks like is just a basically passing an ordinance, um, to, to add to the municipal code that it's, you're not allowed to smoke inside of multi-unit housing or in common areas, things like that. So, um, because, you know, of the secondhand smoke, um, in, in condos and apartments, you share ventilation and you share space. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's what we, we would like to see in the new year.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that that's interesting. I never really thought about that, you know. Banning it in office buildings and common public places is one thing, but yeah, you know, you share a hallway or mm-hmm. ventilation systems in an apartment building, that could be another way to spread it.
3: Yeah, and you know, not all of us are fortunate enough to live in a single-family home, and so it's yeah, it's just important for the common good of everyone.
2: So if Lauren, if people are listening to this and they want to understand, you know, what they could do to contribute, you know, um, are there like calls to action you have or things that people could get involved with?
3: Thank you. Yes. So, um, if you live locally in Mono County, um, and are passionate or just want to learn more about tobacco related issues, we do have an adult prevention coalition that meets every other month. And Um, It's sort of like an advisory board for my program and, um, you know, other folks that that are interested. And so, and then we also have, if you're a high school student, we have a youth coalition that meets every month. And that's my favorite because (laughs) I love working with high schoolers. And in non-COVID times, we actually get to travel to Sacramento and do advocacy work and meet other youth from all over the state. And so... um, yeah, those two things are available. If you don't want to commit to being in a coalition, we do. Uh, we will be in the process of writing our next grant mm-hmm. next year, so we're definitely seeking community input. We'll probably do some surveys, data collection, um, and other needs assessment-related things. And we can compensate you for your time in Starbucks or Subway gift cards. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So we're definitely looking for folks to who are interested or would like to 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 tell us what they would like to see, you know, in the next 5 years of tobacco control in Mono County.
1: And we'll if you um listeners uh we will be posting um links and uh information on how to get a hold of Lauren in our show notes. Um so if you want to figure out how you can be involved, you can go there to to check it out and get a hold of her. But Lauren, this is all such great information, and I know you're new to Mono County, but what have you found that you have enjoyed doing when you're not working?
3: Yeah, so I've really been enjoying hiking. I really enjoy the lakes basin. I like to swim in Horseshoe Lake because there's no uh, fishing or boats. Right. And yeah. um I'm really into aspen trees. I've never <laughs> seen aspen trees before and I'm just so enamored by them. Um but yeah, I like swimming, running, hiking and yeah. You're getting a lot of that in. I I am. Yes, it's it's been really great to just live in the mountains and experience this. And yeah.
1: And, okay. and will you, will you try ski? Have you skied before? Are you, are you going to ski this winter?
3: So I would like to take ski lessons. I have never skied. Um, everybody from the Bay Area goes to Tahoe, but right. I just—I never grew up skiing. So that's definitely on my list while I'm here. You know, if I live in the snow, I at least want to have fun with it. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna try to learn to ski. Um, I'm a little scared, but it looks really fun.
1: <laughs> well, good for you. We'll we'll have to circle back and see how that
3: experience
1: goes. For you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I will say, I'll just interject going back to your love for aspen trees. For our listeners, we're recording this in the fall. Um, yes. The fall is when the trees change color and they're quaking aspens. They The leaves shimmer. And, you know, as Lauren kind of alludes, you just drive around the eastern Sierra. And if there's no smoke obscuring mm-hmm. the view, you see these vibrant yellow and orange trails going up the canyons as you drive by, and it really is stunning.
1: Yeah. Lauren, if you haven't go- been to Rock Creek, you that's a beautiful place at this time of year to go check out all the aspens and all the other kinds of trees. It's really pretty. <clears throat> so check that out. So Lauren, one thing we always ask our guests and um, is – do they have a favorite book that they'd like to recommend? So what can you tell us? Share with us.
3: So, okay. So my answer to this question, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it is totally recommended for people in my age group. It's called The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. Um, and the author's name is Meg Jay. And it's sort of like – um vignettes sort of like real she's a counselor and so she you know talks to people in their 20s about different things and um yeah it's it's helped me a lot so um yeah
2: is it just like life advice or is it conversational what how is it structured
3: um it's sort of like vignettes of her um of her like patients and the the issues in their lives. So it's like her narrating what's going on in these people's lives in their twenties. And then she sort of gives her own like spin on, I don't know. It's like a third party, like of her describing people in their twenties and the things that they go through and like providing advice. So.
1: And what, what's your, what's your biggest takeaway from that
2: (laughs) right right now? We should preface this, Lauren, you are speaking to the biggest self-help reader ever.
3: (laughs) Uh, Um, my biggest takeaway, I think, I mean, throughout your life, but I mean, maybe especially in your twenties or as a young person, just like, be con like, you should constantly be like evaluating, like, does this serve me? Like, am I happy? Am I making good choices? Um, and just and like what are my needs and just like I don't know like like help yourself basically um and yeah and just don't be like a passive participant in your life be an active participant in your life and um you know whether it's your relationships your jobs um how you spend your free time um all of it it's just like you are in charge of that you know and I think, I don't know, at least for me, like when I graduated college, I was just like, what, is, am, what am I doing? Like, what's going on? So, <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of people feel that way, um, you know, right. and your your brain is still developing, but you, I don't know, and you're just constantly taking in messages and trying to make sense of, of the world. So. um, how to
2: interpret it kind of like how to interpret, you know, tobacco advertising or stuff like that. Right. (laughs) Of course. You know, I, I look back on, I'm so I'm, again, I'm just the other side of 50 and I look back on my twenties and for a long time, I felt like that was my aimless decade because I did so much and I went back to grad school and blah, blah, blah. But now I look back and think of how much that decade of my life prepared me for becoming older and and becoming more mature. So I think you're spot on. I think it's yeah. a really good time in your life to really understand that you do have control and take over.
1: Yeah, and be open to receiving all the information that's coming your way. Totally. That's great. That's
2: that's great. A, that, that is a very good book. I will check the library to see if we have it. And so that one's called The Defining Decade by Meg J. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll make sure we link it on the show page along with your other information. Um, Lauren, thank you for being a guest. This has been a great conversation and welcome to Mono County.
3: Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm glad you're having a good time. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as well and are having a good time. Again, um, you're hopefully listening to this right around Halloween. So stay safe and have a wonderful Halloween weekend and um, join us next time. In the meantime, you know, you can follow us on Instagram at O2 Starved and our Facebook page there, as well as our website, oxygenstarvedpodcast.com, which has links to email us if you have feedback, just like Lauren did. Um, you can reach us through there or through our Instagram account. And of course, you can also find this podcast, subscribe to it, and rate it, and tell your friends on all major podcast platforms Oxygen Starved Podcast, Adventure Books and Conversation from 11,000 Feet. Have a wonderful time until you hear from us
0: again.
1: Happy Halloween!
0: Happy Halloween! Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod in Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.